Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Refuse to limit to your equipment. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable, the timing, but thank God we were able to get things back on track. And we should mention... something we said. <laughs> it could be. Uh, we um, A moment ago, I, I referenced the Jewish world. You've had the opportunity to travel a bit over the last week. That's the reason you weren't with us last week. And uh, one thing that you did tell me off the air that was reassuring is that things all around the world, thank God it seems, are getting back to normal, back to uh, what we know as a regular way of life. And uh, the lockdowns and the cautions and precautions, etc., uh, or precautions, I should say, that are going on or that have been dominating in certain parts of the world seem to be easing up. And I guess that's good news for everyone. The problem is uh, that what normal has become is the problem. That uh, Going back to normal is not a positive statement in many instances anymore. That the world is so nuts and uh, travel becomes so complicated that it's, it's, it's not necessarily the ideal is to just to go back to normal. And you've had thousands of airport experiences, and this time around, uh, you would you would you would put this in the category of uh, of unique, wouldn't you? This would be pretty unique. Sitting three hours on a runway in Newark and two and a half hours in the in the Mogadishu setting at Newark Airport as they try to sort things out. Unbelievable. Uh, let alone the an eight-hour wait to make a baggage claim. Thank God I got my baggage, but uh, almost nobody did. Really, they got to do something to improve this. Yeah, that's uh, it certainly has to be worked on. Um, I, I was in Israel last week, and um, it, it did seem that things were a bit calmer there at the airport, at least compared to the uh, videos and pictures that I had seen uh, prior to the visit. It could have been an exception, but in general, it sounded from my friends and relatives that they were finally getting a handle on the crowded situation at the airport and things were easing up. Let's hope it, uh, in fact, happens around the world. Uh, by the way, we should mention, especially in the context of my first question, um, unless you have further information, it seems that the uh, uh, the D.C. killer of the young Orthodox man uh, who we spoke about on the air um, uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, has been identified but not arrested yet, right? That's the update? No arrest? That is correct. No arrest he was identified. Now. His picture was put out. But nobody has uh, located him. And I mention that because um, uh, th- there's yet another documentary over the last couple of days about anti-Semitism in America. And, and believe me, I get uh, I-, I get Pittsburgh and Poway with the white supremacist and the and the, and the Muslim who took everybody in the synagogue hostage down in Texas and all the different political uh, aims that they're trying to accomplish in you know in the most ridiculous manner. I get all of that, but what I what I find that these news reports and documentaries ignore is the random attacks on Jews. We mentioned the one in D.C., but we see what's going on in some of the Hasidic neighborhoods and the more noticeably uh, and the people who are, are in more noticeably Jewish attire. And it's those types of attacks that I think are em- emblematic of the uh, trend of anti-Semitism even more than some of the higher profile you know terror episodes. And I'm wondering what your comment is about that, if those types of incidents are just being ignored. Well, I think that there are multiple sources, and we have to address them all. The emphasis on right wing versus left wing, uh, which our media would would normally be, uh, I think, um, uh, inclined to do, and the uh, failure to identify sources, minority sources, Muslim sources, other sources that – 
uh, are valid also as as uh, representative of the segment of the rise of anti-Semitic attacks. Uh, these physical assaults become so commonplace that people hardly take note of it, yet people are being hospitalized still for attacks on subways, on streets, on uh, because somebody is visible, visibly Jewish, this, that somehow excuses what 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 is happening, and the um, and I think you're making a valid point about people come at at it with their own lens, and what we have to do is to start holding to account the leaders of those communities about what they say, what they do, to put it in context because they're being inspired on the internet. And we know much more and are learning more every day about how the manipulation with state sponsors, with uh, organized campaigns that are are being uh, manufactured on the Internet constantly in overwhelming amounts. It's almost impossible to, to you know, to it's, it's whack-a-mole that you hit one and 27 others pop up. And this is uh, so you're right. We have to identify all the sources. We have to be honest about it. And and the leadership and communities have to stand up. And those who influence people have to be the ones to stand up and say this is unacceptable and, and to condemn it. And the judges then have to hold to account people who engage in this, not this revolving door justice. And that law enforcement has its hands tied in general. Uh, when it comes to safety on the street, and if people are not taking back their neighborhoods, you know themselves, uh, with efforts that you know where they insist that the police help them out, it seems like uh, they just—I don't want to say completely ignore it. That's not fair to the police departments, but they uh, are not as aggressive as they used to be. That is certainly true, and the more commonplace it becomes, the less they they respond uh, to it. I think NYPD has. Um, People in in there who are are concerned and who monitor this and who respond to the incident, and they can't prevent. And especially when you have the kind of climate created of permissiveness, and that people know that the the most they'll do is go in, fill in a form, and they're out in the, on the street before the cop is even back in his station. Yeah, exactly. Uh, community leaders, religious leaders, those of you who are tuned in uh i beg of you i beg of you to play a greater role in communicating with the police department and making people in our communities feel safer um i think things are just getting out of control to a point where we have to uh, act and act as swiftly as possible uh if things seem to be escalating in the ukraine uh, malcolm i'm sure you saw the attack this week um the uh the i think the world's impression was that things would die down or come to some type of natural end in this conflict. And now it's about to become September, and it doesn't seem like we're even close uh, to that happening. Is that how you view it? Well, it, is, it was a six-month anniversary. I don't know that Putin intended this to be so uh, such an elongated conflict. They have a hard time supporting it. As you saw, he's um, calling up another hundred, over 100,000 uh, soldiers. And interesting, they call them up from rural areas, not from the main city, so there's less impact. You don't have the protests uh, that you would have uh, normally. But I think people are getting tired of the war. Even the coverage is getting tired. Yeah. Uh, and and you see the numbers that people are throwing out, which are still so unrealistic. Um, but the, the, um, uh, the attacks and the uh, fact that they had to close down now all aspects of the nuclear power plant and of the the escalation of the conflict in, in terms of the ongoing 
um, battles and the use of the of the missiles, which are very indiscriminate, hitting railroad stations, hotels, and stuff. Uh, and the fact that Russia has to turn to Iran to provide them with with uh, drones is, is a humiliation, I think, for them. And the fact that they are are shopping around elsewhere for weapons and their, the economic impact uh, is less than I think people thought from the, the sanctions, but ultimately will have a more direct uh, expression in Russia itself. And uh, you see even some people coming out now in Russia uh, uh, critical of the, of the war. So uh, Putin has to look at this also from a domestic point of view, and the fact that they lost tens of thousands of soldiers uh, will come home to roost at some point. And, even, and on the other side, Zelensky is not enjoying the same type of reaction from around the world that he was. Uh, he wasn't that popular at home before, but right. as, as we think. But he, you know, people, the the you know this, that the role that he played at some time wears thin also, and uh, you know, I mean, I don't know that he has any options as to what to do. They're right. fighting valiantly. People are. I mean, we're seeing the country destroyed. It's not his fault that the media loses interest in him. That's true. <laughs> he's got. He's got to just keep on going. Um, there was a an Israeli POW or a POW that Russia was holding that was an Israeli citizen, and if and if and if yes, was there? I mean, they let them go because of pressure from Israel. They let him go because of pressure from Israel. I don't think it's the first case, but this was an Israeli who was conscripted. He he wanted to leave. He had permission to leave, but they didn't let him leave Ukraine, and he was captured by pro-Russian group militia right. groups. And uh, they, Israel interceded with Russia, and he was he was finally released after being held for a while. Because normally, I would guess these POWs are never released, right? Until, They're not released until right. the end of the war. Basically, I didn't realize that Israel had to get involved and have him released. Um, so now let's move to some of the elections that are going on both uh, here and in Israel. What what is your conclusion, impression, overall comment about uh, what happened this past week? Even though it's August here in the United States, and a very rare time for there to be primary elections, uh, usually they're not held this month. Uh, this did prove to be um, an exciting election season. What is your review of what happened this week? Well, the, the outcome is very mixed. Uh, we see some people who were nominated or renominated who are very hostile and uh, very disturbing. We saw others uh, where the extremists were, were rejected, even if by a small margin. Uh, the uh, message is very clear, I think, to our community and uh, have to wake up about registering and voting and getting out there. And, and I don't carry the excuses that it's the summer, that it's the winter, it's too cold, it's too warm. This is so vital to us. And often the margins were very thin because so few people vote. Uh, you know, other communities may afford it because they don't have a, any real vested interest in the outcome, but we do. And when there are people who are openly hostile to our, commu our community's interests and they can get elected from areas that have Jewish constituencies, because the turnout is so, is so low and where uh, a real mobilization makes a difference. I, I, I give a lot of credit to those who have tried here in the FJCC and, the, and F others uh, in other communities really did work to, to get a bigger turnout and to communicate with the candidates. But there has to be now, they have a, a general election coming up. We should not dismiss it. And everybody says it because it's only Democrats. It is not true. 
And on a statewide basis, certainly it's not a given, even though obviously there is a, an outweigh of Democratic registrants. It's I think it's 2.1 to 1 in, in New York State. Uh, but, you know, Pataki got elected. Other people get elected. So whatever side you're on, it, it, it's imperative that people should get out to vote and to, um, you know, continue the, the trends of the past. When past generations realized what a privilege it was because they had been denied the vote, the place mm-hmm. they came from, we take it for granted. And young people don't even take it for granted. They just don't care about it. Yeah. And, and, and to me, this is the important message of, of what what has happened. And there are very interesting races around the country that don't get any coverage here that uh, people should look at. Here's the message that I got, which uh, I can't believe it took this many years for me to discover this. Um, You know how everyone views the Jewish community as if, oh, the Jewish community is united and involved and they get out and vote and they make the effort. And then, you know, and of course, their candidates will will traditionally win the seats, et cetera, et cetera. That, first of all, it's not true, as (laughs) as you just described. But the same way that we are viewed, that's how often we view other communities. And we say, oh, you know, fill in the blank. This community, you know, dominates that district and they're going to go ahead and bring out the vote, et cetera. One thing I learned from this election, that's not, not true. Most. Most of these communities are like us, and they don't vote, and certainly not to the extent where they make an impact. And it's amazing when you recommend, you know, get the to to get the vote effort to be stronger, get it out there, etc. People do not realize that that unlike other communities that ignore all of this, if we would just pay attention to election day and make a real effort to get the vote out, the impact would be amazing. I think we're under the I think I think many of us think that there's an uphill battle because so many other communities vote as a block, and it's just not true. They're just not doing it. So if we would go ahead and step it up, we would make an incredible difference. But you see how the left the the, the uh, are are organized and how they are turning out disproportionate numbers in certain districts, or the right, or others, uh, you know, but particular interests. And what community has more interest in seeing America stable and seeing the fight against anti-Semitism and racism and seeing the aid to Israel protected and seeing to it that Congress remains strong? You know, where we have coming to the deadline on Iran on so many important and vital issues where, you know, the members of Congress really make a difference, where we see the, the uh, message, the political message, <coughs> and especially what, what will happen in the midterms about who will dominate Congress and who will, what the message will be then for the presidential elections that will start right after that. And, and every person makes a difference. Yeah. Even if it's just adding up the numbers, but everybody looks at the numbers and they can, they can tell you who voted and who didn't vote. Yeah. And if you analyze it in New York, at least it seems the progressive block is really the only one uh, to act the way we're describing. That's why we had the mayor that we did have for eight years And that's why some of the elections went the way they did this past week. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at MalcolmSingle.com on the MalcolmSingle Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. All right, now, of course, to Israel. So, I mean, the religious Zionist party, the way it was described to me, even though now there's a split, they got plenty of time to try to make up, right? This is There's no deadline in terms of when they could possibly get together again and get those numbers up. Well, their numbers are up. Um, yes, they can get together, but the numbers, uh, especially for Ben Gvir, has uh, increased pretty sharply. Uh, and... Um, there are a lot of people concerned, a lot of people who welcome it. 
but we'll see how this shakes out. You know, it's still a long time till November 1st. Right. You have to go through the Umtobin. You go through a lot of issues. People will often say that they're voting for someone because it's sort of a protest statement or a, a declaration of their dissatisfaction with the, the situation as it is. Uh, there will be a lot of jockeying that will still go on. We we had four primaries. They they indicated uh, different things and different ones. Uh, uh, but I think the the real test will come, you know, once in, in, we say here after Labor Day the races start. Now I think in Israel it'll be pretty true because shortly thereafter you, you're going to have Rosh Hashanah and Kippur and Sukkot when things really do stop. And uh, and right after Sukkot, you have the election. Yeah, and November first, just over two months. Everybody is going to be some change in Israel. One of those changes might be a return of Benjamin Netanyahu, because the numbers right now indicate that he could put together a block that would form sixty-one seats in the Knesset. It is possible. I mean, it'll be a, a very right-oriented uh, um, coalition, uh, but democracy speaks. And uh, again. It's a long time for everybody. We don't know what his court case is. We don't know what many other things. But he certainly uh, is is doing well. He's been much more visible, especially on the Iran issue, and speaking out and doing tapes again and, and I mean, videos. Right. Uh, he, he's uh, – and people look at him as a leader. And, and uh, also you have the divisions on the other side amongst the other parties between – between um, uh, Gantz and and um, Lapid and others who are working together, but they're all going their divergent ways in terms of running for office and competing for votes. Well, the could numbers in general are pretty strong. Forget about the, the coalition. I'm just saying that the party in general is getting uh, at least three, four more seats, according to the polls now, than they did in the right. last election. Um, they will, but that could shift. Yeah, I understand that. Um, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, we, of course, know that the ceasefire seems to be holding. I didn't realize there was a conflict regarding the ceasefire between Egypt and Israel. Has one of the countries uh, reneged on an agreement they made in order to implement that ceasefire? There's a dispute about it and about the release of uh, some prisoners and some other issues um, that um, in the, that was about the brokered agreement that, the issue, that Cairo uh, broker that brought around the, the ceasefire. There is a lot of interesting reaction, though, that, that um, again, doesn't get coverage about the dissatisfaction amongst Gazans about the about the war and about the cost of, of what happened, and especially about the 200 rockets that fell within Gaza of the 1,100 that pitch fired, and that they acknowledged that the attack in Jabalia that killed seven people, including four children, and 21 were injured, uh, the Gaza Ministry of Health reported it, and that was clearly uh, a, a, a pigeon missile. And the um, they, they're afraid to speak out. They can't make public statements, but more and more they're making they're saying things anonymously to members of the press, and that the dissatisfaction about the cost of of the war for I may mean, have nothing tangible to show for it, um, and the so so the Gaza situation. Uh, and of course, the consequences of it, of the devastated buildings and the limits that they have on food, et cetera. Um, and, and there have been additional things. There was an explosion of uh, explosion. People thought Israel did it, but it was actually just a, a, um, uh, a ammunition depot that uh, exploded. 
and and you're seeing it on both sides, both in the and and it killed two people in Gaza. But you're also seeing uh, what's happening in in the West Bank, where you have stepped up efforts. The PA is cracking down on pro Hamas elements. They they raided a dormitory at Berzit University, where the Hamas won overwhelming control in the elections for the student council. The um, uh, the other story from that, by the way, is that while most of the Arab world and others are changing their textbooks to remove the blatantly anti-Israel, anti-Semitic content, the Palestinian Authority is doubling down on it. Wow. And they, the Holocaust denial, the, the terrible content, it, it, you know, it's, it's almost unbelievable. And we have raised this consistently about the um, uh, nature of, of the stuff that they are, are printing. And yet you hardly ever talk about a, there's a million students going in back in the in uh, the West Bank are going back to 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 learn from books that are rife with anti-semitism and hatred and calls for violence and jihad and justifying it all and uh, the holocaust was completely omitted from history books and they uh, like the Oslo accords things like that are not even mentioned and they uh, Dalal Mugrabi remember was responsible for the attack in 78 on the bus is idealized as a role model in the fifth grade textbooks. And so we see, you know, the things again, nobody holds them to account. You know, the, the Israelis opened up Ramon Air Force Base to let Palestinians fly, who always complained that they have to go to Jordan and to Amman to fly out. So they opened up the Ramon base that they could fly to Larnaca in Cyprus. And the PA is saying that anybody who goes and who uses it could lose their citizenship, would be would be denied a passport. Their passports would be confiscated, uh, and and it's something that people already took advantage of and wanted. This was one of the confidence building measures that Israel did in response to the U.S. and others. Right. And where's the criticism of them for it? Where where's the, where is the response? And now wait and see. Just something to look for that the Palestinians are going to try and make a push for statehood to go to the Security Council again and try to raise the issue. We know they've been working on it. Uh, the United States is very much opposed. Others have warned them about it. But it's a thing to look for in the coming weeks. I forgot it's this time of year as the U.N. is going to convene and uh, a, a, a push toward Palestinian state. And all they need, all they need, and I, you know, is, is a sympathetic United States government, and that effort would move forward pretty quickly, right? But U.S. is opposing it. Yeah, I get and, it. And tr- yeah, I'm just reminding. Right. I'm just reminding. <laughs> blinks, then right. there's, there's always be a majority. You know that an anti-Israel majority still remains in the UN, despite all the new friends we've, Israel's made and uh, good relationships. Uh, they don't want this issue to come up, right. and most of them don't really want to see a Palestinian state now because they don't think it's mature and that's not, you know, going to be in their long-term interest. But um, uh, you're right that if it if there's no opposition, they will it would sail through. Well, I paint the picture like that because again, back to what we said earlier about voting, and back to what we said earlier about supporting candidates that are going to you know keep Washington uh, you know sane, so to speak. Uh, really important to remember, and I hope our community answers the call on the prior point with the Holocaust denial textbooks, etc. I mean, when the leader, when the PA leader is accusing Israel, and we didn't discuss this because um, you were traveling, accuses Israel of fifty Holocausts. First of all, I was glad to see that when that quote came out and it got around there, there was I, I think you'd have to admit there was an uproar uh, appropriately from you know from a, from from a variety of places right people didn't ignore his comment 
they did not ignore his comments. And uh, there's an investigation going on in Germany to see if he violated the, um, the special laws of incitement. And uh, if you profess uh, anti-Semitic views publicly, he can be prosecuted. Um, he uh, he did not. He, he did issue a statement afterwards trying to qualify it. But we have to remember he did his doctorate on Holocaust denial. Wow. His, his own doctorate wow. was uh, Holocaust denial. So it's not out of character for him to, to do this, make such a statement. Yeah, he's truly an expert on the topic. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but again, just, you know, while others are uh, are calming things down in that area, as you, as you mentioned, uh, uh, the Palestinians are going the complete opposite direction. When you have a leader who's, you know, speaking like that, uh, one wouldn't be surprised. How significant is it that Israel and Turkey have now restored full diplomatic ties? Well, it's, it's significant that Turkey is a major player. Uh, it doesn't mean that Erdogan has completely changed all the stripes, but it is a, a, a important step. As you know, he hosted Abbas this week after uh, the announcement and said that they're still committed to the Palestinian cause and it doesn't diminish their intensity in any way. And he has been a, a prime advocate for it. Uh, it doesn't change everything, you know, his relationship with Hamas, Muslim Brotherhood. But again, it's something to welcome. It's an important step. He's not doing it uh, except for his own interests. And, you know, he's facing an election and it's a very tenuous situation for him. So this is important that he increase trade, that he show economic benefit, which Israel delivers more quickly, even though the trade and exchange business exchanges with Israel never diminished throughout all this, you know, period of, of uh, negative exchanges and threats and accusations. It continued and it was never interfered with. And if you graph it, it just it's a steady increase up. So Turkey is, uh, you know, is a huge country. It's very important as a Jewish community still. And uh, they are assessing their positions vis-a-vis -vis Russia. They they are more aggressive in Syria and Iraq against the PKK. They uh, want freedom of action, and they, they did carry out some attacks in the last week. Uh, so I think you you have to look at the totality of the picture. The exchange of ambassadors is one part, certainly a change in attitude um, in public, in some of the public statements, but the criticism of Israel still continues. Well, can you tell us about the airstrikes, the U.S. airstrikes against Iranian-backed forces in Syria this week? So there have been already three uh, attacks. There was one last night again, and it's in response to rockets that were fired at American bases in uh, in Syria and uh, bases where American troops are located. As you know, we reduced our presence there a lot, but these were direct uh, threats and CENTCOM. I hope learning a little bit from Israel and the relationship with Israel has been excellent with CENTCOM. That the that they know that the only response is is to hit back, and you know it's interesting that the UK envoy for the Middle East, who, who's who's stationed there, um, in private conversations, his name was uh, Jonathan Hargraves, I think, and he's a special envoy for Syria, told Israelis that uh, the strike campaign against Iran military targets is probably the only thing that works in Syria. Well, I think the same thing is true in terms of America's response, that unless we really respond strongly and, and forcefully, these groups are reestablishing themselves. The Iranian militias are growing stronger and stronger, 
and uh, these are Hezbollah operations, but the groups they were attacking were actually Afghanis who belonged to a particular uh, brigade that uh, has carried out attacks. Boy, oh boy. Finally, uh, Israel continues to beg the West to uh, stop with the nuclear talks with Iran. The midterms are coming up. Another two years of this Biden administration after that. I mean, one would have to guess at this point that simply this dance of yes, yes deal, no deal, etc. is simply going to continue for the next couple of years. Is there any reason to think otherwise? Yeah, we might well have a deal. I think they're moving closer to it, uh, even though that we were told just weeks ago that uh, it's very far off, et cetera. The uh, Iranians have dropped some of their demands. The United States says that they will not give in on removing IRGC from the foreign terrorist organizations if they won't remove the sanctions, although there are ways around it. Um, they also, uh, there were also other demands that they're still negotiating, the most important being about whether the IEA drops the investigation of Iran of the nuclear particles and the inspections regime that is not able to be to operate. The United States says they won't back off of it. The Iranians are, are demanding it. Uh, but the, the, um, uh, the, the, the negotiations are certainly moving into high gear. The Americans have responded now, as did the Iranians, so there will be meetings in Vienna to discuss it and to see the Europeans are capitulating, as they always do. Uh, I think that Lapid and Dianz and others, uh, BB's statements have been very strong and very targeted um, to, about the uh, uh, situation and what the implications of this will be for the whole Middle East. If you see how the Saudis and others are ready in the, the, the um, Gulf countries responding, because they have no faith in, in what is uh, going on. And Iran already talks about post-deal how it will start going after Israel in a more intense way. We know that they have the missile, the uh, drones, they're selling them to Russia, and they, the, they have other capacities. Uh, look, look they're, they're going after the Baha'i, and the whole world remains silent, even though they are persecuting them, arresting them, uh, torturing them, and, and, and they get away with it. So the world doesn't seem to give a damn what happens in Iran when we, we're seeing that they are still escalating a lot of the um, their efforts, and it's not going to stop them in the end from getting nuclear weapons if they reduce enrichment. You know, the ban on the nuclear on the ballistic missile restrictions goes out next year anyway. It's a sunset clause, so it's not even going to affect that ultimately. It's not going to affect the IRG, the, the, the centrifuges. They have the very advanced, and they probably have a couple thousand, which means that they can enrich much faster and very quickly after the deal. So we're not really stopping their uh, nuclear program. Uh, we see the cooperation with Russia, and it's it's expanding in many ways. Uh, and uh, we, we are going to create, uh, if they get the hundreds of billions of dollars that we're talking about, 250 billion maybe in the first tranche, and a trillion over the next decade, we are arming those who want to, forget just about Israel, who are arming and who are targeting America and America's interests and their allies. So hopefully they will wake up yet and that this deal will not go through. If people were listening carefully for the last half hour, the number of situations that we need to be concerned about both at home and abroad is just remarkable. Uh, it reminds us who's really in charge, frankly. That's for sure. And it's, the only hope is uh, is that, although we had good news that Ben and Jerry's 
you know, couldn't ban the sale of ice cream in in, in Shomron. Right. And Israel's oil exports are up 22% this year. So I just want people to have some good news. And uh, the economy is remarkably resilient in the face of uh, the situation. The shekel's gotten stronger again. Uh, so there's there's good news. And people are looking to Israel as the solution in the region not the problem. Yeah, no question about that. You have to thank God for that. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Hang on. Wait, Malcolm, let's get an official goodbye. Hang on a second. <laughs> there we go. You still there? There we go. You, Malcolm, you there? Yes. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're having malfunction after malfunction here this week. I, w- I was saying, have a what, wonderful. Do you think you're on Newark Airport? <laughs> have a wonderful Shabbos, <laughs> and we'll speak again next week. God willing. Malcolm. And Chodesh Tov to everyone in addition to Shabbat Tov. Chodesh Tov is right. Start blowing that chauffeur on Sunday. Get ready, everybody, to uh, to get to the serious part of the year. Uh, Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM.